Hello, and welcome to the Council Culture Podcast, a podcast where we look through the lens of counselling in today's culture to help and equip you to live life to the full wherever you are. believe that everyone should have access to and benefit from the core skills of counselling that help you do life well. Leading ourselves in relationships, mental and emotional health, work and navigating life in these really fast changing times. My name is Nicholas Marks and it is my pleasure to host Council Culture. Well, hello and welcome to the Council Culture Podcast. My name's Nicholas Marks and I'm thrilled that you're able to join us today. Today's episode is an important one at this time where we're looking at relationships and community under pressure. Last episode, we looked at parenting under pressure. Today, relationships and community. That involves all of us, whether we're 5, 15, 25 or 65 We're all in relationships and in some way part of a community or communities that are under a unique pressure at the moment. Whether you're single, married, separated, retired, uh, a young person who's had to uh, move back home with the parents or uh, living in a share house, really different uh, situations and circumstances that are common to us all where relationships and community under pressure. To start with, we just wanted to hear from some of our listeners about the thoughts, experiences, and the dynamics that they are going through and have been good enough to share with us. Let's have a listen to them now, and then we'll come back and hear from Max and Siobhan, the Council Culture podcast, and unpack what some of our listeners have shared with us. Lockdown has been uh, hard on every relationship, Um, the kids, on my husband and my relationships, on my friendships. um, It's all taking its toll. I love my wife and kids. I want to start there. The past 18 months, we have spent an enormous amount of time together. Being in lockdown means we're in each other's faces all the time. It used to be in the rhythm of life that I would get up, I would go to work, uh, come home, and in some ways I was, although tired, really refreshed and excited to see them. But we've just been spending all our time together. I've been working from home and it feels like we're spending lots of quantity time together. But maybe we're missing some of that quality time that we used to have. As a mum of three kids, uh, working and doing homeschooling um, and just all the normal mothering things, I feel like I'm pulled in a hundred different directions at once. Demand after demand after demand. I get to five o'clock in the evening and I know dinner's around the corner and I am absolutely done. It's got to the stage where sometimes I just need to get out and jump in my car and go and have a coffee and just sit there for a bit just so I can have some space. It feels like everyone needs help all the time, like we're all at our wit's end and no one is really available to support anyone. We're all just in our silos, just trying to get through each day. Things can get a little tense. There's a feeling of, you know, let's not rock the boat. Everything's very finely balanced at the moment. I suppose I feel a bit of resentment 
that the majority of the work at home seems to kind of fall on the wives' shoulders. The kids default to me for everything they need, emotionally and physically. And the last thing I want is for my husband and I to be bickering about chores and who's done what and when and how much. When we're all stuck in a tiny house together, we all just want peace and to get on and do things. As I think about it, one of the things that's maybe taken the biggest toll is um, not being able to go and spend time with friends. You know, as guys, we like to kind of do things together. That's how we unwind. That's how we chat. We do it side by side. Um, we go fishing or we play golf. And all of that's gone now. I've tried doing Zoom calls with my mates and it's okay, but um, it's nowhere near what it is when you're out doing something together. And so I think I've really missed having that little mental break. How much longer do we need to do this for? I feel as if the major um, influence COVID has had on my life is the feeling of isolation. The other um, major impact I feel is that there is relationship breakdown between family members or just simply other people that may have different opinions. The other relationship issue that I have and obviously other people of my, my age is that I have a daughter in Melbourne who has just had a baby or had a baby two months ago and I haven't seen the baby and I know this is difficult for her and it's, it's quite stressful for, for me and, and for her relationship and I need to have the right words to say to her and, and I find that it's so um, difficult trying to deal with that situation. I'm in my mid-20s and I've experienced some periods of loneliness during lockdown and isolation with COVID. I think that COVID makes it incredibly hard to meet someone and to start a relationship. And I do think that it's going to have an impact on how we connect with people in the future post-lockdown. And I do really question how this period, the last two years really, is going to impact my future and the rest of my life. Spending two years in isolation, not really talking to anyone or meeting new people makes it incredibly difficult to connect with someone and then come out of lockdown and try to socialise with people makes it incredibly difficult. Well, welcome back and hello to you, Max, and hello to you, Siobhan, today. Hi, Nick. Hi, Siobhan. Great to be here again. Hello. It's great to be here again. Yeah, this is a really important one, isn't it, in looking at relationships and community under pressure. This, I mean, this crosses. This is, this is all of us, isn't it? Whether you're uh, a little person, uh, by that I mean, you know, young, whether you're um, a preteen or a teenager or someone in their 20s, whether you're single or married or separated or widowed or, you know, and retired or, um, gee, you know, in a, in an aged care facility. It really is from one end to the other, isn't it? It's everybody. Everyone's in relationship. Uh, everybody at some level is in community at a varying degrees. And, gee, that's being put to the test at the moment, isn't it? Whether you're, whether you're in an acute lockdown or you, know, you might be on the other side of the country or listening from another country, um, but, but even if you're not in lockdown, you, you probably know a, a bunch of people who are, and then relating to them at the moment is not easy, is it? Because what do you say? You know, how was your weekend? 
Um, oh, it was at the weekend. I didn't notice. Um, so, so relating to people in lockdown, being in lockdown, being um, a, a single person who might have had to, uh, or a young person who's had to move, or not so young, had to move back home with the folks, um, or in a share house. Uh, you know, you might be in a share house with a bunch of other people, uh, confined to really close quarters. So there's all manner of scenarios and uh people in different demographic age groups, generations, whichever term you want to put on it, but how our relationships are going, how we're doing community, perhaps, or lack thereof at the moment, affects us all. And, and gee, there's some tension and some challenges in it, dotted dotted by some really good things as well. And we want to keep saying that to um, be hope-filled and be realistic. It's really important we define reality. Are some good things in that where you, know, you can be – Hopefully we'll unpack some of those today. Let's not forget some of the good things because it is really easy to focus on where are the problems, where are the tensions, where are the pain points at the moment because they're, they're, you know, like any pain, it it usually screams louder at the time. So we heard from some people who were kind enough to share where they're at in, in you know, inside their own head, um, how they're how they're travelling, what they're thinking, what they're experiencing, some of the deprivation things that they would normally do, um, things they're not able to do now new emotions and, and limitations and restrictions that are impinging on life, um, you know, physical movement, uh, you know, mentally and emotionally, spiritually as well. I think it's important to say for our listeners. What what jumped out at you from from what we heard? I mean, I, I was, I've listened to them a number of times because I thought, yeah, that's so well said. Um, what What jumped out? Let's unpack some of that. There's a lot in there. In my area of work, I'm working with young people and young adults, emerging adults, and I'm hearing a real theme of loneliness that whatever sorts of relationships they're in, whether it's friendships, whether it's romantic relationships with partners, that they're feeling isolated and lonely and disconnected and that even though they're able to connect via social media outlets, they're still not able to see their friends or their partners in real life. And I had a couple of clients last week who actually talked about, well, how do I find a partner? What 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 am I going to do to find somebody? It's not like I can meet somebody at the gym or meet somebody at the traffic lights while I'm waiting to cross the road. Uh, some real anxiety around what the future is going to look like when we come out into this new normal, whatever that actually looks like. So mm. one client actually said to me that her timeline has been disrupted and she said, I, I know I shouldn't have a timeline, but yeah. I have some sort of timeline. And what if I don't meet somebody by the time I'm 30? What's going to happen? And she's in her mid-20s. It, yeah. I was just yeah. reading... Um, uh, on on that, there's a there's a study that the Black Dog Institute has put together, and they found that one in three of us are feeling more lonely um, since COVID compared to mm. before. Um, mm. And they also say that the more lonely we feel, the more anxious we tend to become. And so I think that's an interesting mix that um, a lot of us are experiencing. The more lonely you become, the more worried you tend to get. Um, and so being really deliberate about um, Number one, becoming aware of it, and then mm. doing things that get you out of the of that hole, and getting support around you is really, really important. Yeah. As he was saying that, Max, I couldn't help but be drawn back to your reference to the window of tolerance. And what's the window of tolerance? So the window of tolerance is something that we use as a therapeutic tool, but I think it can be helpful for everyone. And in my house, we actually talk about our windows, and we kind of say, "I'm out of my window. I need to get back into my window." So it's just one of those common terms that we use here. It's it's a, a, 
um, a concept that was termed by Dan Siegel. So Dan Siegel is one of the gurus, particularly around trauma and also around developmental trauma. So looking at childhood trauma as well. And really the window of tolerance is just a great analogy for understanding what happens in the brain when we start to become dysregulated. And so as Max was saying before, we we kind of have a look at if, if you can picture a window in your mind and we all have windows. It's a matter of is my window large? Is my window small? And I think right now, in reference to what Max was saying, people feeling isolated and becoming anxious, that really just demonstrates how our windows can actually shrink. And we need to be doing purposeful things to widen our window. So when we become dysregulated, whether we're in a hyperarousal, which is that kind of um, anxious state, or whether we're in the hypoarousal, which is that really kind of zoned out and numb state, and I don't want to talk to anybody, we need to be able to have strategies to bring ourselves back into our window of tolerance. Yeah, the easy, an easy way to think about that, Siobhan, is the fight or flight response, which um, is really common to knowledge for a lot of people. When you're in, in a stress state, you uh, tend to either want to fight against it or to run away or flight from it. And so mm. the window of tolerance is that sweet spot in the middle where you are feeling contained and regulated and you're not outside of that comfort zone. Mm, mm. And I think when, when a person feels like they're out of their window or they feel like somebody's pushed them out of their window of tolerance, the prefrontal cortex, which is that part at, at the front of our brain that does all the thinking, the planning, the reasoning, the predicting, um, all of that rational thought, that essentially goes offline. And what it leaves is our limbic area, which is our emotional brain, and that's the part that stays an- active. So that's why we can become dysregulated, say things that we actually don't mean, slam a door, um, all of those sorts of things, because we're very much in our our emotional brain. And so our window of tolerance just says, well, let's try and get our prefrontal cortex back online and our limbic system so that they're talking to each other. And I think to understand too, Siobhan, just to build on that, I love what you just said, that the people that we're in in relationship with, be our spouse or our um, our partner, our kids, um, the person that you're sharing a house with, if you're a, a single person, um, though it, it, all of us have our own windows and sometimes mm. the conflict or the challenges that people are experiencing sometimes during uh, lockdown have to do with with being aware, not understanding that somebody's window may be more narrow than normal and mm. having the patience to to help to co-regulate your significant other or your kids or um, giving a break to maybe your housemate or giving them space, which is really important. Yeah, I think that's really spot on, Max, because in relationship when we're experiencing distress, we often see that whoever we're in relationship with, we could both be out of our personal window of tolerance. And what we do is we try to get our, our, our needs met or we try to talk through the problem and sometimes when a person is out of their window, you can't possibly sit and come together and try and talk it through. So we, we sort of yeah. need to understand that, um, yeah, when we're out of our window, the best thing that we can do is attend to our own needs to try and get ourselves back in. That's when you can come in and do the repair work. I think too, I think I'd add to this situation at the moment is sometimes, um, and I've heard this a bit where you might be less inclined to reach out. So we're talking about relationships and community, but both vital for life, literally for life itself. So we're talking about a really important thing in terms of life. 
is you might be inclined, less inclined to reach out to people at the moment because you think, well, they're under a lot of pressure as well. Uh, so, you know, what am I going to do? Go and unload all my baggage on them. <laughs> and so there can be that hesitation thinking, well, oh, far out, I'd love to have, just have a chat with them and share where I'm at, but I know they're, you know, they're right in the thick of this as well, so I'll just keep it to myself. And so that scripture that comes to mind is, you know, bearing one, one another's burdens. It's, it's an exhortation to us. Um, God says, do it. It's a great thing to do so that you can do it to others and they can do it to you and with you and for you. It's harder at the moment, I would posit, to bear one another's burdens for a number of reasons. Um, you, don't, you, you may not want to be a burden because you think, well, they're under a lot of pressure as well. Uh, and it's also harder to bear one another's burdens because you can't see them. So there's that that deprivation or limitation of being able to catch up to bear one another's burdens. So this comes back to that, uh, you know, the idea of isolation. Being isolated, it can have a negative compounding effect on us, and then by virtue of that, we may be less inclined to reach out to others, which is exactly what we um, should do or want to do or will benefit from doing. In, in reaching out to others. And it, even though it's in a uh, perhaps not a, a normal state, it's still maintaining some connection, isn't it? It's, it's maintaining some connection, having some conversation, having that. Um, even one, one thing I could even suggest is having a conversation with somebody, if they're your lockdown buddy or um, partner, husband, wife, friend, mum, dad, child, whoever it is that you've said, look, I know I can have safe and real conversations with you, is, is just to check in and say, hey, I know that you're going through a lot too. Is it okay if we still have some conversations about some – I'd love to be able to talk about some things I'm going through, but I'm just worried that I might sort of unload on you and you're already carrying enough burdens. And you can just get their permission to do that. And that just, I think, normalises that and, and might remove that tendency to hesitate and just keep carrying it all yourself because the more we carry it, the more we're going to be weighed down. Though this is certainly not a problem to solve at the moment. I think it's a tension that we're going to have to live with for some time is – how do we navigate this and maintain and still have connection with others during what is quite an abnormal season? Mm, that is so important. And what I want to do is just underpin that, Nick, with saying to, to our listeners that if somebody feels like they want to talk to you, don't feel the pressure to feel like you have to solve their problems. Yeah, spot on. Just listen. Just listen. Just, listen. just yep. be a shoulder and listen and empathise and validate. I don't think people are looking for answers right now. They're just looking for somebody to listen to them. Great reminder. Let's underline that. We'll and see. let's also underline, I think, Nick, what you said about the conversations with your uh, lockdown buddy or your family or your or your spouse or your friend. Um, I think one of the greatest gifts we can give to the people that we're um, navigating this COVID time with is, as you said, ask permission to um, to find out how they're travelling but but also I think taking the time to understand how they get motivated. So you mentioned personality differences and how we get motivated. And I was just reflecting um, the other week um, with some of the clients we, we, we're, I'm seeing, um, the people in my circle, my family, that we're all wired a little bit differently. And so understanding that for somebody whose motivation is relationships, um, they may struggle with friendship and the sense of security and predictability that um, is not something that we have necessarily or we can see beyond the next six months. Um, somebody who may be motivated by growth may feel like their freedom and independence is not being met by differences in, in working arrangements and those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So I reckon understanding 
how people are wired and how they're motivated can be a, a great thing because how I deal with you, Siobhan, or with you, Nick, and try to help you might be different to the way that I help somebody else. Um, and I think if we have the willingness to stretch ourselves and go, hey, for, um, for that person, what will be really helpful is a phone call um, every couple of days that's brief and but relational. And for somebody else, it may be um, just giving them things to do or um, a task that is purposeful or meaningful. That might be the thing that makes a difference for them. Um, so, you know, we, we, all, we all need something that speaks into the way that we're wired and we're made. And I think if we can give that to people, that can really help them move forward and, um, and cope. Yeah. So it's next level of, of uh, being aware of the, the subtle or not so subtle differences in our makeup, isn't it? And, yeah. And, and our, our giftings, our motivations and how we're wired. Yeah, yeah. That's good because I think you can then, where, where we do bear one another's burdens, we can be a lot more potent or, or helpful or present if we understand, because if, if we know this person, we're going to know how we can best serve them, help them, be present for them and hopefully vice versa. Uh, and it is a little bit different for each of us. That's good, Max. Uh, let me take that a little bit further. It's um, it's never used to be a controversial thing to say, but it's kind of is now, which is strange, isn't it? The differences between men and women. We're all a little. We're all uniquely and beautifully different. Men and women, and I'm speaking broadly. There's there's generalising here because you, um, it's the bell curve. You have people in the, the middle of the bell curve, and you have people on either side. So, you know. Not all women are great communicators. Some men are great communicators. We're talking the bell curve. Um, but And again, in the bell curve, speaking generally, uh, guys like to sort of do things together side by side. If, if you're relating with other men, again, not always, but speaking generally, you often like to do something. So you like to go for a game of golf together or a surf together or create a cricket, whatever it might be. You tend to be doing it side by side, not so much face to face, whereas, again, speaking generally, there's always exceptions, is women will often relate uh, to one another and catch up and meet face to face and engage with one another and have that that different sort of relational engagement and and I would say too is is tend to relate much quicker and easier than guys <laughs> we're we're slower at this and we, we get there but it's usually slower and uh, you know it takes us uh, a while to to get those wheels turning and so I think um, men and women will be finding this harder in different and similar ways as well is catching up with mates catching up with girlfriends doing those things is um, as Siobhan said, that we would draw on as resources for comfort, strength, security, relationship, community to do life in. And if they're if – they're, I would use stronger language. I don't think they've been put on hold. They've actually been severed. And when something's severed, there's a shock. There's a shock to the system. And how do you normalise when something has is, is been taken away in that regard? So you'll see in an accident scene, you may – those of you who have done training and first aid and um, – you know, paramedics and the like, they'll do something called time, place and person. Can you tell me what the time is or what day it is? Where are you? And who are you? Tell me your name. So time, place and person. And if you look at those three at the moment in terms of time, so we're disorientated. In terms of place, there's a dislocation. And in terms of um, person, there's disconnection. So we've got time, place, person, disorientation, dislocation and disconnection. That's we're kind of at that level where the disorientation, dislocation, disconnection has been has been brought upon many people very fast, very suddenly, very traumatically, and has effects on us in terms of our relationships and community. So, is there a solution to that? Well, yes and no. Uh, this too shall pass. I think it's just good to be as we talked about in the context of the window of tolerance, 
in the context of how men and women navigate differently, in the context of staying in some way connected with loved ones, family, significant other, lockdown buddy, whomever it might be, is be intentional about it um, and know that this is a really not a very normal situation and we weren't actually designed for this to live like this, which is why we're all finding it so darn hard. I think it's got to come down to our personal values, our value system, and to really plug into our value system. I think what happens in the busyness of life, we get sidetracked and we can lose ourselves when we stray away from our values. When I'm working with young people, particularly depressed young people, what I try to do is connect them back into their values and trying to get them to to create some meaningful commitment that they can make to be more congruent. And so in terms of my reference point and me feeling like somehow I've lost myself, I think it's really a good time for for me in particular and for others who might find it helpful to to do a stock take of your values. There's a really great website I use. Um, it's called thrivingadolescent.com. So it's thrivingadolescent, all one word, .com. Dr. Louise Hayes, who is a guru in acceptance and commitment therapy. She's actually devised a really great exercise that people can do to refine down maybe two, three or four really core values that you can identify and make some meaningful commitment to to undertake. Yeah, I, I love that, Siobhan, for a number of reasons is because it's, it's coming from a place of going, you know what, this is not a great situation. However, I can redeem the time and there are things that I can do in this messy middle, in this strange time and place that we're in. I love that, Nick. And I think the main, I've been doing um, some reflection on that myself. And I think the main uh, thing that I wanted to stress on that is that there can be healthy destruction and unhealthy destructions. And I think you're referring to the unhealthy destructions that we uh, are a go-to default things that are not designed to mature us or make us healthier. I think in terms of redeeming the time where we're all um, waiting for um, the lockdowns or COVID to come to its natural um, conclusion, we can be engaging healthy and stress healthy distractions. And there might be things like what we've been chatting about, investing in our value, uh, um, work, investing in self-authoring things, but also doing things that um, are creative, um, activities that bring us relaxation and joy and engagement and that contribute to our mental health um, and well-being. So things like music, um, spending time with your pets, um, maybe starting a project as a family when you haven't had the chance to do that before, Um, reading, you know, those sorts of things that are healthy distractions as opposed to unhealthy distractions. Yeah, yeah. One more thing to leave our listeners with today is in relationships and community, and this pressure cooker situation where we're in close quarters, cabin fever is another term for it, um, where you're confined to a small space or, a, or confined to a space, is uh, crucial. Com- what the term crucial conversations, or what I like to refer to as mission control, which can be uh, your dinner table. Is um, Siobhan, you mentioned earlier about regulation and dysregulation. That's really important, and um, coming back and doing a repair. So in close quarters. Under pressure, things can flare up quicker. The dinner table presents a wonderful opportunity to do life, make decisions, share about the day, even though the day may not have had a heck of a lot in it, how you're going, to check in, also to talk about things that are 
you might be troubled about or aren't going okay with. And so whether you're sitting at the, um, as we talked about before, the breakfast bar or the uh, the dinner table itself, I just want to re-emphasise that as a great thing to do, a healthy reminder, a way to do life, and also to check in and circle back on conversations that may have um, resulted in some conflict or an argument or a blow-up and come back and say, hey, can I just have a – this could be with kids, um, partner, spouse, housemates – um, any situation, and just come back and say, "Hey, can we just have another chat about that?" When when, when that came up before, I, I I blew up about it, and I just want to I just want to come back on. That's a really good repair, as you've talked about it with us before, Siobhan. So I just want to highlight mission control, the dinner table, where it is that you'll break bread together and have those conversations as a really key part of relationships and community. Mm, that is so important, then, Nick. I was talking to a mum just last week in the context of my workplace, and she had talked about having some flare-ups at home where a couple of her children became really dysregulated and started to throw some furniture around. And she said, Siobhan, this is not like my home. This is not what we do. And I brought to that reference point of mission control, and I really, really like that that term there, Nick. And we talked about coming back to wherever that mission control is and having the hard conversation, but having a controlled hard conversation. So for families who are listening who might think that mission control is something that they would like to introduce into their family, you might want to think about having a talking piece as well. So basically the way that it goes is whoever has the talking piece, and it could be anything, it could be a stick, it could be a ball, it could be anything, whoever has that talking piece is the only person who is allowed to talk at the time. And sharing that talking piece around I think is really important because it means that people can actually make their point without being interrupted. And therefore you are heard and feel heard. Mm. And listen and listen to. Mm. Yeah. Relationships and community is huge. I mean, we could, you know, it's <laughs> there's so much to it. It's it affects all of us. We're all in it. Uh, relationships matter. Transformation happens in relationship. We don't transform on our own. So all transformation in life happens in relationship. So there is transformation for us at this time. But gee, I think you've got to really be deliberate in in mining it out uh, and remembering today too. I think for that a lot of these things aren't problems to be solved. We're in a very abnormal situation and so there's things that are going to be held in tension and so I think that's good in terms of managing our expectations on ourselves and the situation we find ourselves in and one thing I like to say is an encouragement to you as well is remember that right up to today you've got a hundred percent success rate in getting through life whatever it's been dealt whatever it's thrown at you you've got a 100 percent success rate right up to today so keep that in mind because we can often be very hard on ourselves so um, it's about being encouraged and saying, well done in how you're going, well done in getting through to today and uh, giving yourself that pat on the back and those around you because encouragement goes a heck of a long way and we all need it. Well, really special thank you for joining us for this episode on Relationships and Community Under Pressure. Just want to remind you that wherever you're at, as a, as a final note of encouragement, if you like, wherever you're at, whether you're young, in the middle years, retired, an older person now, particularly picking up on those points we talked around self-authoring and and redeeming the time and, and investing in yourself, it's uh, never too early or never too late to be able to do that. So be encouraged. Uh, lean into it. Next week, we're going to be looking at work and finances under pressure. Cheers. Uh, businesses in whole industries that have been just going through such a hard time at the moment. Some have had a boom, 
Others have found it incredibly hard and been at the pointy end of the hardship of this COVID pandemic. We really want your input into the podcast, so do visit us at councilculture.org.au where you can send in your questions or recordings on a variety of topics, which we'll explore in future episodes. Thanks again, and remember, together we can impact our culture through good counsel. Bye for now.